Welcome to Exhibition, an Xbox podcast, episode number 35. My name is Samuel Adams, and this week, boy, do I have a show for you. And if you haven't been keeping up with the news, or let's say you were hiking the Appalachian Trail and you had no cellular reception, or you left your phone at home and you came back and you were like, hey guys, what I miss? Activision Blizzard is being acquired by Microsoft. Bit of a shocker, I imagine that would be, uh, just as it was for me and millions of other people in the middle of the week. We will talk about everything coming out of this big news story today, and I will say I'm going to be sticking to the facts primarily. I'm going to be kind of giving my two cents on what I think could happen, especially when it comes to exclusivity, but we are going to be digging into the blog, digging into Phil Spencer's response, and really keeping by the books on this, because a lot of people are speculating. A lot of people are just throwing their ideas or making statements that, quite frankly, no one can make right now, because the only people that know what is happening are the people that were on that call earlier this week between Activision Blizzard and Microsoft and the people that have been in these boardrooms for the past six months or so as this deal has been discussed. Those people have the closest story to what is actually going to happen. And even then, right now, it's aspirational. Lawyers have to get involved. There's a lot of deliberation that has to be discussed. We are nowhere near the end of this story. But without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into it. Tuesday morning, 8 a.m. I'm in my Jeep on my way to work. I'm trying to dodge patches of black ice and I get a DM from my friend saying, oh my God. And I say, what's up, man? And he sends me this link. Welcoming the incredible teams and legendary franchises of Activision Blizzard to Microsoft Gaming. When I tell you fine people that I nearly ran off the road, this is the perfect example of why not to text or DM and drive because you never know when you're going to be hit out of left field with something as wild and insane as this. I'm still trying to process everything that this article has to say and the fact that this is even happening. Just to reiterate, for those that might not know, Activision Blizzard and King, although it's under the title of Activision Blizzard, encompasses so many legendary franchises, and you see them baked into this graphic here. You have Overwatch, Diablo, Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, Candy Crush, Starcraft, and tons of legendary legacy franchises that Activision still owns the rights for. Uh, and that could be said for Blizzard and for King as well. It also covers the console, PC, and mobile space, three places that Microsoft has been targeting for their next generation moves. But without further ado, from Phil Spencer, the CEO of Microsoft Gaming himself, we have a blog post titled, Welcoming the Incredible Teams and Legendary Franchises of Activision Blizzard to Microsoft Gaming. And I thought we would just read through this thing in full to get it down, just in case something changes, because who knows. But Phil Spencer writes, quote, Creators of Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, Candy Crush, Tony Hawk, Diablo, Overwatch, Spyro, Hearthstone, Guitar Hero, Crash Bandicoot, Starcraft, and more join Team Xbox. As a team, we are on a mission to extend the joy and community of gaming to everyone on the planet. We all know that gaming is the most vibrant and dynamic form of entertainment worldwide, and we've experienced the power of social connection and friendship that gaming makes possible. As we pursue that mission, it is incredibly exciting to announce that Microsoft has agreed to acquire Activision Blizzard. Over many decades, the studio and its teams that make up Activision Blizzard have earned vast wellsprings of joy and respect from billions of people all over the world. We are incredibly excited 
to have the chance to work with the amazing, talented, dedicated people across Activision Publishing, Blizzard Entertainment, Beanox, Demonware, Digital Legends, High Moon Studios, Infinity Ward, King, Major League Gaming, Radical Entertainment, Raven Software, Sledgehammer Games, Toys for Bob, Treyarch, and every team across Activision Blizzard. Until this transaction closes, Activision Blizzard and Microsoft Gaming will continue to operate independently. Once the deal is complete, the Activision Blizzard business will report to me as CEO, Microsoft Gaming. Upon close, we will offer as many Activision Blizzard games as we can within Xbox Game Pass and PC Game Pass, both new titles and games from Activision Blizzard's incredible catalog. We also announced today that Game Pass now has more than 25 million subscribers. As always, we look forward to continuing to add more value and more great games to Game Pass. The fantastic franchises across Activision Blizzard will also accelerate our plans for cloud gaming, allowing more people in more places around the world to participate in the Xbox community using phones, tablets, laptops, and other devices you already own. Activision Blizzard games are enjoyed on a variety of platforms, and we plan to continue support Excuse me, we plan to continue to support those communities moving forward. As a company, Microsoft is committed to our journey for inclusion in every aspect of gaming, among both employees and players. We deeply value individual studio cultures. We also believe that creative success and autonomy go hand in hand with treating every person with dignity and respect. We hold all teams and all leaders to this commitment. We are looking forward to extending our culture of proactive inclusion to the great teams across Activision Blizzard. Around the world, there is no more exciting venue for fun and connection than video games, and there has never been a better time to play than right now. As we extend the joy and community of gaming to everyone, we look forward to welcoming all of our friends at Activision Blizzard to Microsoft Gaming. Let's start from the top. What's changing right now? The answer is absolutely nothing. What could change in a year? The answer is fundamentally everything, because Phil Spencer and the team at Microsoft are going to be running the show. But I would be remiss to not start off with the cultural shift that needs to happen at Activision Blizzard. Bobby Kotick has to go, and insiders have reported that he has agreed to depart the company once this transition takes place, because there really is no need for two leaders when you have Phil Spencer and you have Bobby Kotick, and Kotick is the root source of a lot of the issues that Activision Blizzard currently has. He's just not a fit leader for this company as it evolves into the future. With all of that being said, there are still shifts and changes that have to be made because one man doesn't control the company's culture. That is a deep-rooted issue that has to be uprooted, and that has to be done through deep investigations, a lot of questions being asked, and fundamental cultural change that doesn't come overnight. That's going to be a multi-year process uh, that Phil Spencer and the Microsoft team are going to have to address. But when it comes down to it, that is going to be something that is improved greatly after this acquisition officially closes because the way that Microsoft has treated their existing staff and their existing catalog of developers uh, is second to none in the gaming industry. And I go back to 343 and their situation with Halo Infinite where they needed an extra year, a year-long delay in a launch year of a console. That was a hard call to make, but it was the right one to make because it saved Halo in so many ways. And I look to Call of Duty and I see what's happened with Vanguard and I see what's happened with these yearly annualized releases. And Call of Duty desperately needs time to breathe. And the same could be said for Diablo 4. That's still up in the air. Overwatch 2 still up in the air. It seems like a lot of the projects Activision Blizzard is currently working on 
they're kind of off the rails, except for Warzone, and it really depends on the day of the week if you're getting a positive news story or a negative news story on that one. So to be able to improve the company culture, improve morale, get people happier, make it a better place to work, ultimately reflects in the games that are put out, ultimately reflects in the experiences that Activision Blizzard is making. Now, when it comes to those experiences, the next big question is exclusivity. Will Microsoft go the Bethesda route? And ultimately, after these uh, exclusivity agreements that are already existing have been honored, take everything exclusive. Elder Scrolls 6 going to be exclusive. Starfield going to be exclusive. Uh, will we see Call of Duty only come to Xbox? Diablo? Overwatch? What's the big question there? Phil Spencer has addressed these concerns and said, quote, had good calls this week with leaders at Sony. I confirmed our intent to honor all existing agreements upon acquisition of Activision Blizzard and our desire to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation. Sony is an important part of our industry and we value our relationship, end quote. So a lot of people have been reading into this in a lot of different ways. And the general consensus through the community is that this still gives enough legal leeway to keep everything on the table because the specific words that are being used here is I confirmed our intent, our desire. These are aspirational statements. I desire to go eat an entire cookie cake right now. That doesn't mean I'm going to do it. I desire to be rich. That doesn't mean I'm going to go rob a bank tonight. I'm going to take my time and make these plans and make sure that my right steps are being made. That's what Phil Spencer is saying right here, is that he has the intent to keep this. He has the intent to leave Call of Duty on PlayStation. But if these companies can't reach agreements, if there is some kind of legal uh, hurdle that has to be overcome that can't be overcome, you very well could see Call of Duty become an Xbox exclusive. That still is on the table. I made a YouTube short earlier this week saying Call of Duty is staying on PlayStation, and I do believe that to be true. I believe that the team at PlayStation values Call of Duty enough to keep it on the platform, in the same way that whenever Activision signed a marketing contract with PlayStation, rather than renewing their one with Xbox, Xbox still needed Call of Duty because that's what people liked playing. People love Call of Duty, and it's very important for PlayStation to keep that game in their lineup, and I think that Sony is willing to do a lot of things to make that happen. The other big question that has come out of this conversation is what is Sony willing to concede in order to get Call of Duty on PlayStation and potentially even Overwatch or Diablo or these other shared experiences across consoles? And a lot of people have been saying, could Game Pass come to PlayStation? I am taking a stand and saying no. I think that is fundamentally against what Sony is trying to do. And I think that honestly, uh, bringing Game Pass to PlayStation would be kind of a, a, a truce flag in a way. And I don't think that's good for the industry. I think that what Sony is doing now with Spartacus, that kind of competition where you have a new generation of wars, uh, if you want to call them that, where you have streaming services fighting back and forth. I think that when you have that kind of competition, that head-to-head -head combat, you have to be able to innovate and provide something the other is not. And I'm excited to see what PlayStation's secret card up their sleeve actually is because they have to do something that at least matches what Xbox brings and then in some ways make it even better. Of course, their games are different, so I would like to join a service where I can play Horizon, God of War, Gran Turismo, all of that stuff, uh, but it has to be day and date. 
Will Sony do that? There's a lot that has to be talked about here when it comes to these subscription services. And so for that reason, I don't think that Sony is going to go all in and bring Game Pass to PlayStation. It doesn't make sense to me. But again, everything is so much up in the air. I think Call of Duty will stay on PlayStation by some kind of God way. There's going to be some kind of divine intervention to keep this thing on PlayStation. But I will also say equally, I would not be surprised if it went exclusive. Uh, and I've seen a ton of people talking about that. As the saying goes from Paris Lilly, you don't spend $70 billion to keep things the same. Something's going to have to change. Uh, and I think that that could be exclusivity. That could be the added value proposition of Game Pass, where whenever the new Call of Duty does come out, you could say, hey, you can buy it wherever you want for 60 or 70 bucks, but you can also just subscribe to Game Pass and you can try it now three months for $1 or whatever the new deal is. Uh, and that value proposition is unmatched. And then people get in and they start playing Call of Duty. And then they go back to the dashboard and they say, hey, there's a lot of games here. We're talking about a lot of games. Diablo. Ooh, I'd like to play that. Ooh, wow. On Game Pass PC, World of Warcraft, a free three-month subscription or some kind of new model they include. There are so many ways they can use this relationship, this newfound acquisition uh, to improve the way that players play games. It's wise that they purchase this because of the versatility that it gives them and the leverage it gives them when it comes to negotiating with Sony and negotiating with Nintendo. And I was also talking about this earlier in the week on another podcast, Playconomics, where they talk about the finances behind games. And outside of Blizzard and outside of Treyarch and Infinity Ward, King, the mobile developer behind Candy Crush and many other mobile games, you don't even have to do anything with that. You just package it up and let it run its little money machine and you're printing cash day after day. So that was a wise investment in and of itself. In short, $70 billion is a ton of cash. I believe I read that it's roughly about half of the cash that Microsoft had on hand as of last year. But it's an investment that will pay dividends in the long run. And it's very wise that they got in on this when they did because... Call of Duty will continue to blow up, and I think that the additional love and care that it can get under Microsoft, I think that the additional appreciation and the improvement on work culture that the teams will experience will also show through in the final products. And hopefully between Diablo 4 and the World of Warcraft expansions and Call of Duty games, they can get these projects and franchises back on track in a way that no one really thought that Activision Blizzard could. And of course, on top of that, let's get Bobby Kotick out of there. It's time for him to go. Speaking of Call of Duty, let's talk about that competition, Electronic Arts Battlefield 2042. It looks like the game could go free to play. This comes from industry insider Tom Henderson, who makes this report, with more news set to come tomorrow, which is today as of the time of this podcast releasing. So who knows? You could get a midweek video. Subscribe on youtube.com slash jampacksam for all of the updates from me. But EA is looking at all of the options when it comes to monetizing this game and turning the ship around. The official quote is as follows. EA is reportedly very disappointed with how Battlefield 2042 has performed and is, quote, looking at all the options, end quote, when it comes to the title. This is including looking at free-to-play in some capacity. I'll have more on this tomorrow, Tom Henderson says. Now, there have been follow-up tweets uh, where he discusses the shortcomings of the team and shortcomings of the game. But as somebody who paid $70 for this whenever it launched, I do want to say... This is number one, good for the game. Number two, I would like my money back. Um, 
And that's coming from someone who really enjoys Battlefield 2042. At its core, there's a good game there. There are a lot of misplaced mechanics. The game is janky. It has improved greatly since launch, but overwhelmingly, it feels incomplete and it feels like it got corporatized, for lack of a better term. It feels like the team had a good foundation and then a lot of elements got thrown in there at the last minute. Uh, and the big question is, what will the team end up landing on? Because you have to get players back into this experience. I mean, we're talking about these 100 plus player servers You've got to have players to fill those servers. I've had matches myself filled with about half bots at this point. And that's just not as fun as having people in there to play the game. I come from a time where Battlefield 3 and Battlefield 4 dominated. Those games were great. Those games were phenomenal, in fact. I'll even go so far as to say, especially when it comes to Battlefield 3, to this day, I haven't had as much fun in a military shooter, arcade or otherwise, as I had in Battlefield 3. The tanks were phenomenal, the helicopters were great, still can't fly one, I'll admit that right now, but the game was good. Battlefield 4 was good, and even looking back, there was a lot to be loved in Battlefield 1, Battlefield 5, all of those World War 1, World War 2 shooters. But with 2042, it feels like it's trying to return to form, but it's not quite there yet. Uh, I think with another year or six months, this game could have had some fantastic polish put on it, and it could have been much better than it is, uh, but that's just not the world that we're living in. Uh, with that being said, as I said, very much so enjoy the game myself. Huge fan of it. Uh, and I do understand that it's broken. But you have to treat these $70 paying customers well. You have to find some way to honor that payment or give refunds. And I think that behind the scenes, when Electronic Arts is discussing this in a boardroom somewhere, the simplest way to make a free-to-play element in 2042 is to snip out Battlefield 2042's Hazard Zone mode, which is a Battle Royale-style uh, team-based competitive mode, and put that out into the world for free, and then make that a marketing tool that can drive people into the core experience in the same way that Warzone drives people to buy Vanguard, or it bought uh, drove people to buy Modern Warfare. Um, those kind of experiences kind of play off of each other in a very interesting way in the marketing world. And so I would wager that's probably what's going to happen. What should happen is that the entire experience goes free to play. They spend more on making microtransactions that are reasonably priced and reasonably created but on top of that, a battle pass progression system. You have the template in Fortnite. You have the template in Halo Infinite. In fact, 343 has done the groundwork of what not to do. Copy those systems, implement them in the game, and with a couple of extra months of polish and regular updates, you have a really good game with 2042, and that could be what they end up doing. I know that they've been hiring like crazy over there, getting some industry veterans to try and turn this franchise around, because as somebody who's a lifelong fan of Battlefield, I want it to succeed. I love the game. I love 2042 even, but it does need to be better. Uh, and it does have to be better if it is going to succeed, especially in a world where Microsoft is spending more time polishing Call of Duty. Uh, there are already discussions about Call of Duty uh, becoming a deannualized franchise, and it goes and it becomes maybe an every other year kind of situation, or when it's proper. You know, give the game more time to breathe. Halo Infinite laid the foundation for 10 years of Call of Duty. Make another Call of Duty on a brand new engine, and make that the next 10 years of COD. Uh, there are so many things you could do when you have the freedom to think outside of the box and not hit these uh, trivial deadlines to put out a new Call of Duty. 
And the same could be said for Battlefield. Uh, but it is time for Electronic Arts to innovate because 2042 has not been the game that people wanted it to be or that players deserved because this was supposed to be one of the biggest shooters of 2021. Uh, and while I'm still enjoying it, as I said, certainly is not the experience that I was hoping for. Hopefully they find a way to monetize it. Hopefully they find a way to make it free to play. And hopefully they turn the ship around because the franchise itself still has value. That's really the point that I want to make. Battlefield is still good at its core. It's just gotten lost along the way. Now that we've talked about the negative, let's talk about something positive. Dying Light 2 is getting a free next generation upgrade across PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X and S. This news comes from reporter Matt Wales over at Eurogamer who writes, quote, With Dying Light 2 just weeks away now, developer Techland has revealed those purchasing the PlayStation 4 or Xbox One versions of the game will be entitled to free PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X and S upgrades respectively should they require them at a later date. Techland is yet to detail the precise enhancements PlayStation 5 and Series X and S owners can expect when Dying Light 2 launches earlier next month, but it has now referenced them in more general terms in two new modes presentation trailers outlining the three different visual modes selectable on new-gen platforms. The videos are one for PlayStation 5 and the other for Series X, each featuring a slightly different cut of Dying Light 2 gameplay footage, but both highlight a quality mode that features ray tracing, a resolution mode promising a resolution boost to 4K, and a performance mode pushing the frame rate to 60 FPS and beyond. Alongside all of the above, Techland has also spoken a little bit about crossplay. Sadly, that is not going to be happening on consoles, but it will happen for PC players across Steam and the Epic Games Store. They've also said they are going to be supporting this game for five years, which is a massive investment, and it is similar to what we saw with the original Dying Light, because that game was getting support and expansion after expansion. It was really awesome to see, and Techland really is setting the precedent for how to give players long-term reasons to come back to these games. And that's something that is fantastic to see. Uh, with that being said, this is not a game I personally find too much interest in. I think this is going to be a late generation $10 pickup uh, that I end up going back to maybe in five years. Once all this content is out there, uh, I will be able to go back and enjoy it. But right now, just in my personal life, don't really have the time to invest in Dying Light 2. I've got a lot of things going on, including a review dropping this week uh, for Serious Sam Siberian Mayhem. You can tune in on January the 25th, I believe, at GameSkinny.com for my thoughts on that one. Hashtag promo. But that's beside the point. Dying Light 2 certainly is shaping up to be a great playing game, and I am hoping for the best on it. Uh, there have been reports that the game has been weighed down by a variety of different systems that have all been thrown in, uh, and it's kind of become a bit of a monster. Uh, no joke intended. Of course, this is a game about zombies. Uh, but even if it does have an overwhelming amount of systems, we're talking about a game that can be, if you would like to see every single thing, 500 hours long. Uh, roughly about 20 hours, I think, to complete the campaign, if I remember correctly. Uh, but it is not a short game by any stretch of the imagination. So, these different systems, these different uh, classifications, whatever you want to call them, they can contribute to your overall gameplay time and keep you tuned in. Plenty to dig into. And it is good to see a giant swath of content coming in just a couple of weeks because Techland has been hard at work on this one. So this specific story, the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X and S upgrade, this is fantastic because of the continuing chip shortages. This is great to see because it's hard to find in general 
stock right now. If you want an Xbox Series S, they're more easily found. Uh, but Series X, especially since the news has come out about the acquisition and the moves Microsoft is making, uh, they're very difficult to find. And so to be able to get that on the current generation hardware you own and play it on an Xbox One X, for example, and be able to upgrade for free and get that cross save uh, and, and the cloud saving that can bring your game back with a new coat of paint on it for the next generation. That's really awesome to see because so many companies are beginning to monetize this. Uh, but Techland, not one of those companies. You love to see it. Game Pass games. We love them, we download them, and often we find ourselves swimming in a pile of too many of them. And I speak to myself on that one. But I have good news. You have more games to add to your backlog while you continue playing Halo Infinite. I'm talking about myself, that's my situation. Don't know where you're at with that. Uh, but all joking aside, huge drop this week for Xbox Game Pass. We have Danganronpa Trigger Happy Havoc Anniversary Edition and Nobody Saves the World. Pause, Nobody Saves the World from Drinkbox Studios. Fantastic time, very Zelda-ish in its gameplay. One that I'm going to be diving into more after I wrap up a review that I'm working on right now that I mentioned earlier. But on top of that, we have Death's Door, one of the biggest indie spotlights of 2021 coming out. Hitman Trilogy as well, with all three games in the World of Assassination Trilogy. Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Extraction, and we also have Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege Deluxe Edition coming to the PC version of Game Pass. In one big cross-platform release, we have Windjammers 2 coming to Cloud Console and PC. Now, on January 27th, you have Taiko no Tatsujina, Nope, Taiko no Tatsujin. There we go. The Drum Master coming to console and PC. And that's your list for the week. More are coming. They've teased some February stuff as well. But boy, what a lineup this one is. And once again, I say it a ton. I'm going to say it once more. We talked about Call of Duty potentially coming to Game Pass when this acquisition ends. And we talk about Diablo and all these other adventurous titles. But what Game Pass also does is on top of these big AAA games like Rainbow Six and like Hitman, you have Nobody Saves the World from Drinkbox. You have a game called Paparazzi up there where you take a picture of dogs. You have Danganronpa. You have Windjammers 2. These games, this is where the value is. Because when somebody dives in and plays Rainbow Six Extraction, they could get bored and say, hey, I subscribed to this thing. What else is on Game Pass? And go play Death's Door or Windjammers or any of the other hundreds of games that are on Game Pass right now. And so that's really what gets me excited about this is because this is the next generation of experiencing games and you love to see it. That rounds out this week's episode of Exhibition, an Xbox podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you're brand new here, hit that subscribe button on YouTube or add the show to your podcast feeds on a podcast service of your choice. I use Spotify, but there are plenty of other places you can find the show. On top of that, two pieces of housekeeping. Check out that episode of Playconomics I recorded earlier this week with Bobby Kowecki and the crew, where we dove into the economics behind the Activision Blizzard deal and talked more about what we think will happen with with that. But on top of that, head over to gameskinny.com. I've been reviewing some games over there, practicing up on the written work, and there are plenty of awesome reviews floating around over there, including one for a headset. Plenty of good content. Just saying. Check it out. Uh, but until next time, you guys have a fantastic week. I will talk to you soon, and keep on playing.